Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative BioLabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. Today, our sharing guest on the podcast is Dr. Benjamin Smith, who is well known to us. Let's welcome him with your warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Smith? Good evening, all dear followers of this podcast. Good evening, Connie. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your kind invitation. I'm very excited to be here. I have always believed that, once a cell had acquired a stable state of differentiation, it could not change its phenotype. But it doesn't seem to be the case. There is ample evidence that differentiated cells, or tissue-specific stem cells, have been shown to change their phenotype to express functional characteristics of different tissues. So, our topic today will focus on metaplasia and transdifferentiation. Why don't we start by learning about their definitions and theoretical implications? That's exactly what I am thinking. On the one hand, metaplasia is defined as the conversion of one type to another, including conversions between tissue-specific stem cells. On the other hand, transdifferentiation is known as the conversion of one differentiated cell type to another. So, it can be regarded as a subset of metaplasia. It used to be that metaplasia had been the term used by pathologists. In recent years, however, transdifferentiation has become a more popular term, even when discussing the conversion of tissue-specific stem cells to unexpected lineages. As opposed to the idea of metaplasia, there has been some debate around the phenomenon of transdifferentiation. And, it is often attributed to either tissue culture artifacts or cell fusion. Then, why study metaplasia and transdifferentiation? There are four good reasons why the study of transdifferentiation and metaplasia is important. First, transdifferentiation gives us insight into the normal developmental biology of interconverting tissues. Most transdifferentiations occur in tissues arising from adjacent regions in the developing embryo, and thus may differ in the expression of only one or two transcription factors. If the genes involved in transdifferentiation can be identified, then this may provide some clues to the developmental differences that exist among adjacent regions of the embryo. Second, Metaplasia is studied because it predisposes to certain pathological conditions, such as Barrett's metaplasia. In this case, the lower end of the esophagus contains cells with intestinal characteristics, and there is a strong predisposition to adenocarcinoma. Thus, understanding the molecular signals during the development of Barrett's metaplasia can help identify key steps in neoplasia and may provide potential therapeutic targets and diagnostic tools. Third, a better understanding of transdifferentiation will help to identify master switch genes. This will allow the reprogramming of stem cells or differentiated cells for therapeutic purposes. 
The last reason is that the identification of molecular signals that induce regeneration and thus promote tissue regeneration becomes possible. In general, it is important to research metaplasia and transdifferentiation to better understand the regulation of cellular differentiation, as it may lead to new therapies for various diseases such as cancer. These explain a lot. Despite the controversy surrounding transdifferentiation, a large number of examples exist in both humans and animals. We will focus on a few, including conversions of the pancreas to the liver, liver to the pancreas, esophagus to the intestine, iris to the lens, and bone marrow to other cell types. Could you please share some insights with us on the pancreas to the liver, Dr. Smith? Sure. The conversion of the pancreas to the liver is a good example of transdifferentiation. This is a common type of conversion, as both organs are derived from the same region of the endoderm, and both are thought to arise from bipotential cells in the foregut endoderm. Besides, these organs share many transcription factors, showing a close developmental relationship between them. Different protocols can be used to induce the appearance of hepatocytes in the pancreas. They include feeding rats a copper-deficient diet with the copper chelator trion, overexpressing keratinocyte growth factor in pancreatic islets, or feeding animals a methionine-deficient diet and exposing them to a carcinogen. This phenomenon has also been observed in a primate, the vervet monkey. I see. Although the functional nature of hepatocytes has been studied in detail, however, little was known about the molecular and cellular basis of the switch from the pancreas to the liver until recently. What should we learn about this part? There are two in vitro models of pancreas to liver transdifferentiation. These two models use the pancreatic cell line AR42J and cultured mouse embryonic pancreas tissue, respectively. And, both materials rely on the addition of glucocorticoid to induce transdifferentiation. AR42J cells are amphicrine cells derived from azacerine-treated rats. They express both exocrine and neuroendocrine properties, which means they can synthesize digestive enzymes and express neurofilament. This cell line has evident dual nature. When exposed to glucocorticoids, they initially enhance the exocrine phenotype by producing more amylase. In contrast, when cultured with hepatocyte growth factor and active NA, the cells convert to insulin-secreting beta cells. In conclusion, these features of the AR42J cells point to them being an endodermal progenitor cell type with the potential to be exocrine or endocrine cell types. What are the distinctive characteristics of transdifferentiated hepatocytes formed from pancreatic AR42J cells? Such hepatocytes can express many proteins normally found in the adult liver, such as albumin, transferrin, and transthyretin. And, they also have the functions of normal hepatocytes, in particular, they are capable of responding to xenobiotics. For example, they increase their catalase content after treatment with the peroxisomal proliferator, ciprofibrate. Mouse embryonic pancreas also expresses liver proteins after culture with dexamethasone, but it is unclear whether the same cellular and molecular mechanisms are at work as in the AR42J cells.
it is possible that the liver-like cells are derived from a subpopulation of pancreatic stem cells instead of the hepatocytes arising from already differentiated cell types. How could the cell lineage of hepatocyte formation from pancreatic AR42J cells be determined? At this part, a lineage experiment based on the perdurance of green fluorescent protein was performed and the pancreatic elastase promoter was used. After the transdifferentiation, some cells expressing green fluorescent protein also contain liver proteins, such as glucose 6-phosphatase. According to this result, the nascent hepatocytes must have once had an active elastase promoter. Thus, they were considered differentiated exocrine cells. The expression of several liver-enriched transcription factors was determined to elucidate the molecular basis of the switch in cell phenotype. For example, treatment with dexamethasone resulted in the induction of CCAT enhancer binding protein beta, loss of the exocrine enzyme amylase expression, and induction of liver genes. These properties make CCAAT enhancer binding protein beta a good candidate for an important factor involved in the transdifferentiation of the pancreas to the liver. The fact that CCAAT enhancer binding protein beta is sufficient to transdifferentiate AR42J cells to hepatocytes. Thus, it appears to be a good candidate for a master switch gene to distinguish liver and pancreas. Makes sense. So many examples of the pancreas to liver transdifferentiation suggest that the reverse switch can easily occur as well. However, examples of this type of conversion are uncommon. Could you tell us more? Sure. Abnormally located pancreatic tissue is referred to as heterotopic, accessory, or aberrant pancreas, and it occurs infrequently. In most cases, the heterotopic pancreas is found in the stomach or intestine and is considered an embryological anomaly. In contrast, reported cases of intrahepatic pancreatic heterotopic account for less than 0.5% of all heterotopic pancreas cases. As a rule, heterotopic pancreatic tissue can be composed of exocrine, endocrine, or both types of cells. However, in almost all cases of pancreatic heterotopia in the liver, only exocrine cells are present. Unlike other cases of the accessory pancreas, these rare events of intrahepatic pancreatic tissue cannot be interpreted as the result of developmental errors. In fact, in most cases, patients were diagnosed with cirrhosis, indicating that the heterotopic pancreas is a metaplastic process. I've learned that carcinogens could induce the liver to pancreas transdifferentiation. Are there any examples? For example, pancreatic exocrine tissue can be induced in the liver by feeding rats polychlorinated biphenyls or exposing trout to a variety of carcinogens such as diethylnitrosamine, aflatoxin B1, or cyclopropanoid fatty acid. In these examples, Hepatic exocrine tissue is closely associated with tumors or injury, including hepatocellular carcinomas or cholangular neoplasms, or adenofibrosis. Similar to human cases, these results demonstrate that metaplastic events that generate pancreatic tissue occur during carcinogenesis. 
Pancreatic metaplasia in trout can be inhibited by the addition of an anti-cancer agent, the glucosinolate in Dole-3-carbonyl. It is just uncertain whether inhibiting metaplasia prevents neoplasia. It should be possible to identify the molecular signals involved in switching the cell phenotype to regulate the process of the liver transdifferentiating into the pancreas. Therefore, it is necessary to learn how to control and direct this conversion for therapeutic purposes. Is it possible to experimentally convert liver cells into pancreatic cells? Yes, two reports demonstrated this. In these two reports, Different methods were used to achieve transdifferentiation by altering the extracellular or intracellular environment, respectively. In one report, hepatic oval cells were isolated and preserved in tissue culture media supplemented with leukemia inhibitory factor. After the removal of leukemia inhibitory factors and the addition of high concentrations of glucose to the culture medium, Oval cells were transdifferentiated into multiple types of pancreatic cells, including glucagon, insulin, and pancreatic polypeptide expressing cells. Functionally, these endocrine cells derived from oval cells could reverse hyperglycemia in streptozotocin-induced diabetes. In another report, either in vivo or in vitro, Hepatic cells were induced to transdifferentiate by overexpressing a superactive form of the known pancreatic transcription factor PDX1. PDX1 has been shown to play an important role in the development of the entire pancreas. A previous study showed that continuous overexpression of unmodified PDX1 in the liver increased hepatic insulin production. However, it is unclear whether this represents true transdifferentiation or simply the activation of insulin genes. I have heard of unexpected results obtained after modifying PDX1. Is that true? That is true. In the study using modified PDX1, transdifferentiation appears to be relatively complete. This is because both exocrine and endocrine cells were produced including insulin, glucagon, and amylase-expressing cells. The conversion of the liver to the pancreas by PDX1 requires an additional activation domain, VP16. This may be due to the lack of appropriate protein partners or the presence of some repressor proteins in the liver cells, since sequence-specific transcription factors require other tissue-specific coactivators to stimulate transcription. The VP16 activation domain was fused to PDX1 to overcome this problem. VP16 activation can directly activate transcription by binding to various coactivators as well as the basal transcriptional machinery, thus eliminating the need for other tissue-specific proteins. When PDX1-VP16 was overexpressed in the liver, it was able to induce transdifferentiation from the liver to the pancreas using a liver-specific promoter, transthyretin. This is an example of a transcription factor known to be essential for pancreas development, being engineered as a master switch gene. What do the above results tell us? Taken together, the above results suggest that liver cells have the potential to be converted into pancreatic cells, regardless of whether they are fully differentiated or not. 
It is well known that the liver can regenerate, and therefore, it could provide an abundant resource for the production of pancreatic cells to treat diabetes. One study showed that the extracellular factor glucose could be used. And, another study demonstrated that a modified intracellular tissue-specific transcription factor, PDX1VP16, is more than enough. It is critical, then, to be able to identify the key factors involved in the physiological regulation of the adult pancreas as well as embryonic development. This will play an important role in facilitating the transdifferentiation of various cell types to the pancreas. However, it may not be sufficient to overexpress a single transcription factor. Therefore, the ability to alter cell phenotypes may require the use of modified or engineered transcription factors that can artificially recruit transcriptional machinery. So much for our content today. Let's thank Dr. Smith for his wonderful scientific sharing. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting topics waiting for us in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.